want to thank each and every one of you for being here. Um, those few of you are here tonight and especially online. I just want to appreciate everyone, everyone that, uh, that just takes the time to listen. You know, it, it, is, it is an effort on our part as a Christian to actually turn it on, try to figure it out. You know, we get frustrated because of the speed, because everybody's on the Internet. But my advice to you guys, some of y'all, is to maybe watch it after sometimes cause it, for it, everything to catch up. That's just, that's what I have to do sometimes because it'll stop in the middle. But anyways, that's just because everybody's on the Internet right now. But it does take effort, and I appreciate you, any, everyone who's tuning in. I know you're going to be blessed for this, for sure, 100%. Not because of me, but because, because of how God is using all of us in him. And I just want to open up in prayer real quick, if that's okay. Father God, we come before you in your name of Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for uh, all that you're doing for us, Lord, especially in this time. We thank you for the hedge of protection that you put around each and every one of us and our family members and our friends. I just thank you for just giving me the right words Speak through me, Father God. It's not going to be me. It's going to be all you. And I just thank you for giving me that time to be able to do that, uh, to spend with the congregation, and to speak the word and the truth. I thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me get my notes here. So I want to open up. Let's say, let's say topic of my message is uh, be bold for the kingdom. Okay, anybody who knows me knows that I'm very bold in my walk with Christ. Uh, bold in a, in a loving way and not a condemning way. And that's really what I want to talk about tonight is, is how, to, how to minister pe- to people, especially in this time. Um, I'm going to start with Ephesians 6, verse 19 and 20. And it says, And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, okay? That's the last two verses in the, ar- with the Armory of God scripture. And anybody that knows me knows I'm a big fan of the Armory of God, okay? And I'm going to talk about towards the end of, end of my message. I want to I speak a little more about that. But it says, in, okay, that in it, in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We're supposed to speak boldly and not meekly. About, about the gospel, especially with everything that's going on, okay? Everyone needs to be loved, and everyone needs Jesus right now. If there's any time you need the Lord, it is right now. It is right before us, all of us. So Acts 28, verse 31, it says, He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. He taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. We all know what boldness means, but hindrance definition is a thing that provides resistance, delay, or obstruction to someone or something. Okay? So we don't want to have that resistance to do it. I've been in many situations where a lot of times we'll be in a room and someone will say, uh, it's almost like you're putting them on stage to talk and they, they freak out. And one of us, somebody has to take over, right? When we're ministering to somebody or we're praying for somebody or their salvation or whatever it might be. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later as well. So 1 Corinthians, I'm going to talk about a few of these scriptures first and then get into more of my message. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Okay? I'm all about repeating scriptures a couple of times because... Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and hearing by the word of God and hearing and hearing and hearing. So the more you hear it, 
the more I believe that it just it manifests in your spirit. And then you'll be able to just memorize scripture. You'll be shocked at how easy you'll be able to memorize scripture by just saying it over and over again. So be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Okay, courageous is hard for some of us to do. Okay, just have the courage to be able to walk up to somebody and talk about God. It's hard for a lot of people. I really do believe that. But if, you, if you're in the word, you're really listening to the right people ministering to you, then you'll be able to do it. No problem. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Okay? It does not make us timid. You know, think about that for a second. And it's, it's good to meditate and marinate on these, on, these, on these scriptures instead of just spurting them out. I don't think we spend enough time actually just letting it, letting it sink in for a minute and rereading it. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Okay? We have the power to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the powers of the enemy. Okay? Not some all of the powers of the enemy. And so that's really important for everyone to know that, that he, we've given the same, we have the same power that Jesus Christ had when he was here, okay? He's transferred that to us, and we're going to use that in a way to, to minister to others. So Mark 16, verse 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, okay? Our job, and this is, this is what I'm starting my message on, our number one focus, I believe, in our life today is to save souls for the kingdom. Let's I mean, just call it what it is. I'm, I'm going to say especially in these times a lot because I do believe especially in these times. We need him more than, than ever. And we need Christians to stand up and to really focus on, on some of the things that he needs us to do. And that is to save souls for the kingdom. That's, that's what my, I truly believe. Uh, we're all going through something right now. Before all of this stuff happened with the virus, people are going through divorces, right? Bankruptcy. They were already losing their jobs. Let's be honest. Foreclosure. Um, you name it. There's a ton of things. Rebellious children. We all are going through something with one, one or more family members. And more so now than ever. Okay? But it's, it's really important to be love, let's love on each other and trust each other. Because that, at the end of the day, that's all we have. And the worst thing that's ever going to happen to you, and I'm, I'm maybe cold, but hey, you lose your life, you get to spend eternity in heaven, okay? So to, to die is to gain, to be promoted, to live as Christ, okay? I'm not condemning anybody to die or anything like that. I'm just saying that that's the, in any situation, a Christian needs to stop falling apart like a $2 suitcase every time trouble hits their life, Okay? They just, they, they, they let it all go. And we need to start standing up and speaking truth and life into people, loving on them. You're going to hear me talk about love a lot tonight, okay? Because I've been really mean in my past to people, really, really mean. And those of you who know me 15, 20 years ago, was, was not a good, good person to be around. And God has truly changed my heart, okay? If he can change my heart, trust me, he can change, he can change some bad man's hearts. So... Ye be fishers, okay, ye be fishers of men, okay? It's our job to catch them. It's his job to clean them, okay? I say that a lot because it's almost in a joking manner, but it's true. We are fishermen of men, right? I don't know about you, but I enjoy fishing. 
but I absolutely can't stand cleaning the fish. I'll pay you to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I'll even give you half my fish. I don't really care, but I'm not going to clean them. That's, that's above my pay grade, but not his, okay? It's our job as Christians, as believers, to, to really speak truth into people's lives, no matter where they are in their lives. And most importantly, you know, be there and, and let him do the rest. You just have to bring him to the altar and let, let him take care of the rest. Um, there's a couple of, uh, these are kind of my rules, okay, that I would like to talk about uh, regarding uh, winning souls for the kingdom. Um, rule number one, when ministering to others, no matter who it is, okay, young, middle-aged, old, I don't care who it is, don't be a jerk about it. Okay, don't be a jerk for Jesus, all right? The quickest way to a man's heart and a woman's heart is not down their throat, okay? Don't be that turn and burn guy. I can tell you because I was that guy when I first got saved. I got home, everybody was going to hell but me, okay? That's the honest truth. And my friends, they were scared. They got nervous. They were like, oh, my God, Doug found Jesus. And they, you, when I walked in a room, they scattered like cockroaches with the light turned on, okay? I'm not kidding you either. So it took me a long time to slow down, take some deep breaths, and really, really um, learn about the Word of God and what it says, okay? We're all sinners. We all fall short, right? All of us fall short. There's only one perfect person, and that's Jesus Christ. So that's rule number one. Um, Romans 12, 9, verse 10. This actually came from Josh Ramon. This morning, he sends me scriptures from time to time, at least once, twice a week. And it's weird because I actually put this in today after I got it. I was like, man, this is perfect for the message that I'm going to speak about tonight. And it says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Okay? Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hate the sin but love the man or the woman you're speaking to, okay? And I've got a few examples of that, um, of my personal experience. I have, I mean, I, I want to say hundreds, and I have a lot, and I want to talk about a couple of those. Um, again, don't just pretend to love them. A lot, of, a lot of people come off as a little bit fake in, in their religion. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute too, but mostly, I mean, I just want to talk about how I don't want you to pretend. I want you to love these people genuinely. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had one of my clients come in my office. I saw him driving around. I'd sold him a house six, eight months prior, and I had not seen him in a long time. He shows up, sits in my chair, sits in my office. I, I'm in new home construction, for those of you who don't know. And basically, he said, I have no, no idea why I'm here. I said, well, I do. And I'm thinking, you know, I know he needs to know Jesus. That's the first thing that came to my spirit. And I said, uh, I said uh, what's going on, man? He said, well... I'm going through a really bad divorce. I said, okay, I understand that. I'm kind of explain, you know, just listen. I'm really good about listening when these people, when people come to me with problems. And he said, uh, I asked him what happened. It was some infidelity in the relationship. And I said, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to talk about maybe some reconciliation. And if not, hey, there's life after divorce. Okay, let's just call it what it is. And I said, first thing I ask him, which is what I ask everybody that comes and speaks to me, is where, or needs to confide in me, where are you going to church? And about nine out of ten of them just dropped their heads. They said, I don't go to church. In this particular case, this gentleman said, you know what? I don't even believe in God. 
I said, well, there lies the problem. Then when I'm able to tell him my testimony, I said, you know, talking about when I'm down to my last $200, my, we got divorced, I lost a child, we got divorced, $1.3 million bankruptcy, foreclosure, uh, you name it. The last thing he took, was Satan stripped my bank account of everything I had and was left with nothing. I literally had nothing. I remember being in the church parking lot with no money, no AC in my car, and didn't even want to go to church. Went in, gave an offering that I didn't have, and literally that week my life turned around. And I carry this little book around. Um, I have many of these. I always tell people, you'll hear me say this, a short pencil is better than a long memory. So I like to write things down because I go through these, and some of these are you know, six, seven, eight years old, uh, some of my notes from church. But I have this particular uh, February 16th, 2014. That's the the first day I I started going back to church. And I've never looked back. That has literally changed my life, going back to church and having somebody minister to me and say, I actually sold a house to somebody, and and she said, hey, why don't you go to church? You seem to know scripture and what have you. And I said, yeah. I said, look, all hell breaks loose when I go to church. And she goes, what if I told you that, that the church I go to would be praying for you? And we'll, we'll, we're going we're gonna to pray for protection for you. I said, if you can promise me that, I'll, I'll dip my toe in the front door, okay? And I did, and I've been here ever since. So thanks to her. I appreciate that very much, that she spoke into my life. And, and that's what I'm talking about, being bold. Hey, even if I didn't know the word, which I didn't know as much as I know now, my job is to be here with my, with my family and to minister the gospel. So going back to my friend, I asked him if he, you know, going to church. I said, look, look, do me a favor. I'm not going to use his name, but I said, uh, well, I'll call him Jesse. Jesse, give it a try. What have you had to lose? He said, okay, you know what? I will give it a try. Started going to church. This is two years later. He's still committed to going to church. He has his kids going to church. And his life has been, he's done a 180. He was a man that I wouldn't even break bread with back then. And now he's come to a lot of our men's breakfast and invites his son and I've just seen a real change in his life and a real increase in his business. You know, and a lot of people come to me and they say, um, why, why do I have to go to church? I can just watch it on TV, right? It's easy just to flip on the switch and, and watch somebody. There's tons of people on Sunday going to church. And I said, well, as Matthew 19, verse 20 says, where, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Your TV isn't two, okay? And your dog doesn't count as three, Okay? Let's just be honest. Let's, there's, some, there's power in having a group of people that are in the same room together, praying together, worshiping together. There's just, there, you can't explain it until you've experienced it. And that's, that's basically what I told him. And it was enough for him to, instead of me telling him, oh, you're, you're, I can't believe you did that to your wife, blah, blah, blah. Look, he's already been beat up by her and everybody else. It was time for me to just pour into him. And that's what I did. And thankfully... His, his life has been uh, completely changed. Um, I have another story. I'm, I'm big on ministering with, with life experiences because I believe that that helps people connect the dots with where they might be in their lives, right? And I have tons of them. You could, I could spend hours speaking about just really neat testimonies that I've, I've heard, I've walked with people, and I've, I've, I've personally witnessed. But there was a girlfriend, a real close friend of mine, super close friend of mine, single mom, two children, 
just started talking, getting to know each other. We became really good friends, and I started ministering to her. She's like, nope, I don't, I don't want to talk about church. So I didn't talk about church. We'd go do other things, and that was just put it on, put it on the back, slowly bring it back up. Finally, she's like, you know, this is why I don't go to church. I said, why? She goes, because it wasn't because I was badgering. She goes, because you know what they're going to think? They're going to think, what kind of, what kind of person is going to come into a church without her whole family? She was thinking that she was going to be ridiculed and shunned away because she wasn't going to, she, her husband wasn't with her. I said, let me tell you something. We serve a loving God and a caring God. That's not going to happen. As a matter of fact, I promise you won't happen. I'll give you a hundred bucks. I might have said a thousand back then. I don't remember what I was. But I said, I'll give you a hundred bucks. After service, you need to call me and tell me what happened. She did. She called me crying. And she said, they hugged on me. They loved me. I get emotional about that because it's amazing how people think, how the devil can get in their heads so easily, you know. And and some of the times, some of the times, as, us as Christians, we know how to push people away really well, you know. And I think, and I, I, many of you heard me say this: the worst hurt you could ever experience in your life is church hurt. That's the honest truth, you know. And that's where people get hurt, and they don't come back. And those are the people that I really gravitate towards because I can, you know, can sit with them. They know Scripture like I knew Scripture. I can give them my testimony. And you know what? Maybe that's something where it turns them around a little bit. And it does. It works if I just have enough time with somebody. And with her, it, she's been going to church consistently since, since then. Her two kids are involved in the children's ministry. She's the only family member of all of her brothers and sisters that go to church. And, and this wasn't too long ago where she called me. She's like, Doug. One of my friends from church is having some problems at work with a co-worker. And I don't know why, where it came from, but I said, well, let's pray about it. And, and blew her away. I blew me away that she even said that, right? But that's how God has been working into people that you never know. I, I, I say this all the time. You never know who the next, if you're talking to the next Billy Graham, right? And, and, and you just never know. And, and I'm talking about a female or a male. It doesn't matter at this point. And, and that's why I view everybody as the next Billy Graham. Everybody I minister to, I tell them, you're going to change more lives than I will ever be able to in my entire life. So that's, that's what I feel like. I, we need to speak, as, especially as believers, we need to speak that in everybody's life and make them feel good because the, the more encouraging they are, the more excited they get about the word, about wanting to go to church and about being involved. And, and, and it, it's important. So let's see. Thanks, Josh, for that for that uh, that that scripture this morning. That was great. Uh, Matthew 19 verse 20. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. We just talked about that uh, for three ago. Okay. Um, I have one more story that's really good. I invited a friend. Of, okay, one of my friends. Again, I was at my office. All of a sudden, my buddy actually coaxed his wife to coming in my office, and said. Look, my wife suffers from depression, anxiety. I mean, he listed like five or six things, right? I said, okay, well, and she, when she walked in, she was like, oh, it's Doug. I don't want to talk to you about it, you know. But he goes, no, we're here. Let's just sit down and talk. So they sit down. We talk. Look, I'm not going to bite you. I'm not going to hit you. It's okay. And then she said, okay, well, and then she finally started opening up to me. So I started reading some scripture, talking, talking to her just like you and I were talking. Not, not weird, okay? Not in a weird way. And I said, uh, um, I'm on rule two yet? No, I didn't do rule two. Okay, I want to make sure I'm not there yet. Yeah, it's coming up. So I said, you know, 
she said, I said, you mind if I pray for you? She's like, sure. So I prayed with her, prayed, you know, get rid of the anxiety, you know, put the devil in the back seat. We squashed all the things. So I listed everything that she had told me that she was suffering from, got rid of it. She goes, after we were done, she goes, do you know my, I'm always cold. My feet are cold. My legs are cold. She goes, my entire body, I feel like I'm on a warm blanket right now. And I said, that's the Holy Spirit, girl. That just went right through you. You feel better? And she goes, yeah, I feel like I'm going to sleep really good tonight. And I said, you are. I said, how about going to church with me this Wednesday? It was like on a Tuesday. It was Tuesday. And I said, uh, she said, oh, no, 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 no. And, and her husband's pleaded with her, come on, just, let's just go. I said, tell you what, you guys go out to dinner much? And I know they don't because I don't have very much money. And I go, no. I said, if you come to church with me, I'll take you and your family out to dinner. And she's like, deal. Okay, so I did. They showed up. I was shocked. They actually showed up. They're two little boys. They were a little rambunctious, but that's beside the point. Well, long story short, we, after the service, it was a phenomenal service. Pastor Goodluck was speaking. We get to the restaurant, and she's mad. Okay, she's livid at me. And she's got her arms crossed. And she's glaring at me across the table. I'm like, dang, I don't know what her husband feels like. You know, I'm thinking, jeez, <laughs> not really. But I said, what's wrong? And she goes, okay. That was really, that was, uh, why did you do that? I said, why did I do what? She goes, why did you tell your pastor all my business? I said, what? You really think I got that much pull that I can call Pastor Goodluck and say, hey, man, here's, here's all the stuff she's going through and then some and make this girl hurt. I go, I would never do that. And she goes, you promised you did not say anything to your pastor? I said, you have, I, you have my word. I did not say anything. She started crying. She said, that message was for me, 100% of it. And I said, look, that's why you need to be back. You need to be back in church, back, back around a body of believers. We can be praying for you constantly and helping you. And, and that's how most, I believe that most people that just start, new believers especially, the more they go, that message is for them. But next week, the message was for them. The next week, next week. You hear it all the time, right? Now, every week, the message isn't for me. Now, I get something out of every message. But I know there's somebody in the room that needs to hear that message. So that's what we've got to understand. That we don't, look, just because you, you shouldn't have to go to church and get a, a, you know, a, a tingle every time. You know what I mean? Most of us do. But especially the new believers. I think it's important for those guys to really feel the love of God. And they do. So let me talk about the second thing. Let's see. Oh, uh, talked about that. Uh, Psalms 103. Okay. The Lord is gracious, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Okay. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. We need to be gracious and compassionate to everybody. Okay. No matter what they're going through, right? I'm going to say it again. I said it earlier. Meet them in their sin. And help them through that valley, okay? Walk with them. Yoke up with them. They're not strong enough to do it. That's our job as believers, to yoke up with the weak and pull them through so that one day they're going to they're gonna have 10 people yoked up to them, okay? That's important for me to know that when I'm ministering to somebody, I want them to feel the power that I feel in me, okay? And I think that all of us would agree with that. So rule number two, okay? And this is... I, say this a lot to people, and they kind of, hey, what are you talking about? Okay, don't be a creepy Christian, okay? Don't be weird about ministering the gospel to people. Um, I think too many people get caught up in the law, again, the turn and burn kind of thing, and, and whether they're a new believer, old believer, whatever, it depends on what church you go to. 
But I get frustrated. I've got a friend of mine. I'm not even going to use his name. Let's call him Joe. So every time, every time I go out with Joe, he's got a bullhorn, right? He walks in, and it's all about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's like, oh, man, we're, we're reading the menu. And he's like, yeah, I think, hey, you tell the waiter, you know, this menu's, God made this menu. I mean, isn't this beautiful in the sight? I'm like, what are you talking about? The guy that owns a restaurant made the menu, man. I mean, why are you being so weird? You know, what is it? And, and guess what? It was so much so he pushed his wife out of the marriage for spiritual abuse because his rules were his rules. We're going to have, we're going to wake up every morning at seven o'clock. We're going to have Bible study. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. And every, it was a, it was all, it was all past driven. Everything had to do with, uh, got to do this, got to do, there were so many rules that it just got to the point where it was just, it was, it was hard to be around. And actually, uh, he coached our baseball team with our little boys and, it was just tough to be around sometimes. I'm not all about talking about God all the time. But do it in a way where, I will, I will say this, Matthew 5, uh, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, okay, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In the same way, let your light shine before others. When you walk in a room, your feet are shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, right? should be peaceful. People should be able to say, you know what? I see God in this man or this woman, and that's important to them. That's important for them to see that, so then that opens the door for us to minister to them about, about Jesus Christ, and that's the most important thing. But when you come in with your bullhorn and you're screaming and you're telling everybody, you know, this is God, yes, God did all those things, Joe, but your delivery is terrible. In his mind, he thinks it's really, really good. You know, maybe, that may be his engineering mind, uh, possibly. I don't know. But I've been working on him. Iron sharpens iron, right? Mike, Mike, okay, slow down for a second. You talk too much, first of all. Let's, let's talk about some of the things you did say. This waiter doesn't even want to come back to our table, man. I mean, you're just being, you're just being weird about, don't be the creepy Christian, man, honestly. There, I'll give you another example. There was a, a girl that uh, I befriended and just really good friends, like a, like a sister. We went to the same gym. It's a very small gym. Like they had, I'm talking like six more of a personal trainer kind of gym. And so we, you know everybody. The tra- there's only like three trainers. Everybody knows everybody there. And I've been ministering to most of these, all of them, for a very long time. A good, I would say, three months, four months. You know, I was this close to getting to come to church. This close, right? And all of a sudden, she joins the gym. You know, getting closer every day, I feel like. And then, boom, she quits. Well, guess what? When I started working out, all the gym... They were all huddled around me. Hey, who's that? Who, who, who's that person? They would, I go, what happened? They go, well, she canceled, canceled her membership today. I was like, okay, no big deal. I, I get it. People do that. I said, no, 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 no. On the cancellation form, she wrote, when it says, why are you canceling? She says, Jesus told me to. And so they looked at it and they're like, that's kind of, it was, it, was, it was just, look, Jesus might have told her to cancel the membership. But to write it on there, automatically they came to me and said, what kind of church do you go to? Y'all handle snakes? Honestly, they, right, they went to snake charmers. They went to, y'all handle, oh my God, guess what? My four or five months, however many months I was, I was getting, I was, I was worse than ground zero, okay? They avoided me like the plague when I walked in, right? So anyway, that's frustrating. That's what I'm talking about, being a creepy Christian. Don't be that way. And you know what? Us as believers, we need to let our friends and family members that are Christians know that, hey, 
You know, I'm not saying tone it down a little bit, but let, let's 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 role play about delivery. I'm in sales, right? We have to role play all the time. So let's role play some delivery message. Um, here's some good scriptures. Here's just because it doesn't happen on your time frame doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Okay, I didn't start walking with Christ again until my early 40s. Think about the people that we're ministering to that are older or younger, and we're just cramming it down their throat. Well, they're going to run. That's not the way you do it. So the only, I tell people this all the time, the only two times I went to church went, went all the way through college was funerals and weddings. That's it. And back then, most people were living. So I mean, most people were having weddings. So that's the only time I went to church. God still protected my path, right? He protected my ways. And then today, he's, he's made me a better man in Christ. And I know that. And I, I feel confident saying that. Not, not arrogantly, but confidently, Christ lives within me. Um. A couple of things happened to me in 2019. I talked to Pastor Goodluck about this. And I wanted to, some, good, some really good testimonies. So one thing is, I serve on the prison ministry. Okay, and those, there's a couple of you guys in here that do as well. Uh, uh, there's about four, five or six of us probably consistently serve in the prison ministry. And I will tell you, I didn't want to do it. Larry Graham really pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. So thank you, Larry, for uh, pushing me to join the prison ministry because it literally has changed my life. I will, I will honestly say that. Seeing other men's lives change can't do anything but change your life. It, it just can't. And if it doesn't, I mean, something's wrong. It's truly wrong. But I will tell you, there was one particular day, and my hat's off to all those guys. It is a true commitment. When I say commitment, I live closer to downtown, so I drive in myself. But you're talking five, meeting 5 o'clock at the church, loading it up, driving over all the way downtown, okay? This isn't like outside of town. It's downtown. Going to the, I don't know, sixth or seventh floor. Seventh, is it? Seventh floor, getting all the books. Sixth floor, it's six and two, which is the tallest floor. You got to go, excuse me, first of all, you got to go through security. Get your tag and everything. All the lock gates and the, and the noises and the buzzes. Get, get in the elevator. You can't touch any of the buttons. You have to give hand signals. We go up to the sixth floor. Get the books. Get the all the chairs, you have to wheel it all the way back to the elevator, go to floor two, go down, set up in the gym. I mean, it's a pretty big deal. And we have service for an hour. Then you have to break everything down, bring it back up, then get down to the first floor, get in your car. By the time, it's all of 10 o'clock. It's a five-hour commitment every Thursday. So my hat's off to every man and woman that, are, that have committed themselves to doing that. And you will be blessed for that. I promise you. Pastor Roy told me that. He said, if you want to really have God bless you in your life, he said, start serving him. And I took that to heart, and I really started serving him ever since he said that a few years ago. So I appreciate that, Pastor, Pastor Roy. Um, this particular night was Halloween night. So it was October 31st of 2019, just a few months ago. So we walk in. It was my turn to give the message. I gave the message. It was more of, um, this guy's needed, the Lord spoke to me and said, this guy's need, these guys need second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. They don't need just one chance. Some of these guys have been in here multiple times. And they really, so we really delved into, the, my message was about, about how God does love them. He's not mad at them. And a lot of them were like, what do you mean God's not mad at me? You could see their eyes scrunching up. Said, oh, I got, I got, first thing I'm going to tell you is God's not mad at you. He loves you. We're sort of a loving God, not a damning God, okay? He loves you. And he loves you where you are right now. And you're protected in this, these walls. It's no, it's no, it's no cup, it's no uh, cakewalk outside of this prison. I'm just going to tell you right now, we are all going through a lot of stuff. 
And I said, but in here, you're being protected. So take that time to really dive into the Word of God, really learn it, and be prepared so when you go out there, you can fight the battle. Okay, And and that was comforting to those guys that were going to be in there for a long time. Well, there was one gentleman in particular. His name was Raul. I get finished with the message. He comes up to me. Remember, there's no guards in here, by the way. We're in here by ourselves. We have no weapons and nothing like that. Clenched fist, kind of storms up with me. He's got his Bible in his hand. One, he's, he's, he's a mean-looking dude. I'm not going to lie. Tatted, neck, arms. He's got his hair slicked back with a big old ponytail. Anytime, if I'd have seen the guy on the street, every ounce of me would be like, I didn't see him, and I'm going that way. Okay? Came up, stopped. Big dude, too. And he said, uh, I need prayer. I said, okay. He said, I'm about to come out of my skin, and I'm going to hurt somebody in myself. Actually, I'm going to hurt all of them. I said, all right, well, let's start with, let's start with praying for you. I, 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 I want to pray for, you, for your, second, your second chance out of here. Some, I think I need to pray for your wife, some a healing in your relationship, and then we'll pray for that. And then I'm going to tell you what to do. So we prayed, we prayed through that. I prayed some armor of, the God's, armor of God's scriptures on him. And I said, I opened his Bible. I said, I need you to memorize this. Okay? I said, the problem is the guys that are in the cell, that's Satan using them to get to you. Don't let it work. Okay? Because no weapon formed against you will ever prosper. Okay? And he said, okay, I'll do it. Left. And I'd say two months go by. It's very rare that we see the same prisoners more than once. Very, very rare. So kind of a revolving door. Either they go to a bigger place or they get released. So I get there, and it was my turn to speak again, and it was December the 19th, roughly. I walk in. As soon as I get up, uh, Mike uh, did the opening prayer and stuff, and we, I get up. I see Raul. He lights up like a Christmas tree, as did I. I was like, wow. And he's a totally different man. And, you know, he's trying to come out of the seat. He's like, hold on. I was talk after. He's like, okay. So I gave, I gave him my message, and, dude, he beelined over to me and just gave me a big old hug. And he said, man, he goes, I didn't think I'd ever see you again, but I've been talking about your church, like some kind of arc. I said, I, to- I called my, call my wife on the phone because they have phone time or whatever. And he goes, right, like the next day. And I said, you got to find this Doug guy and this arc. Okay. That's all I know. <laughs> and I, I started laughing. I was like, that's, I guess, arc fellowship. He goes, I know, I know, but I had, I, I, he was so excited. He said, I need you to meet this church and these, the people that are there. And I said, man, that and warmed my heart. And he said, uh, hey, man, he goes, uh, i got to tell you a couple things. I said, what? He goes, it's, it, it's working. The armor of God's working. And I, things, things have been much better myself. And he said, matter of fact, I'm getting, I'm getting um, uh, his, they, they're able to keep us. He's got favor with the guards. So the cell's cracked. He's able to minister to everybody in his pod. So it's, it's, it's unbelievable what God's doing in Raul's life. So Raul said, um, he said, hey, uh, my wife gave her life to Christ this week, the, the week you guys were here. Now she's going full-time, she's at uh, another church, Hope City, and she's uh, uh, helping in the children's ministry. I was like, praise God, man, everything we prayed for. And he said, no, no, that's not the craziest part. I go, what's that? I thought that was crazy, but that's not it. And he goes, do you know what I was in for? I said, I have no idea. We're not really allowed to ask these guys. He said, I was in, I'm in for capital murder. And he goes, I'm being released. And I said, really? He said, yeah, God... Whatever we prayed, it, it, it worked. And he said, I'm being released. I get to spend time with my family now. And he goes, and I'm going to go into full-time ministry when I get out of here. And he goes, not only that, he goes, you know, the first person I'm going after, 
And he said, I said, who's that? He goes, my best friend. He's one of the largest drug dealers in Houston. That's the first guy I'm going to go see. I said, praise God. I said, hey, Raul, your light is bright, man, super bright. And I see it. I just, he glowed in this buzzing room that we're in, dark room. So as, as we were leaving, it's funny because he was hugging me and telling me, he kept telling me he loved me. And then as he was going back to his jail cell, he's like, I love you, Doug. And I was like, I love you too, Raul. It was, it was just to see a guy like that, it, you, you know, looks like he's going to kill you. But anyway, it was, that's awesome. And anyway, that's what the prison ministry has done for me. And I know it has done for a lot of people. And I'm going to encourage everyone that's listening and that's in here today, just serve. Do whatever. Clean the rooms. I started in the parking lot, put little signs out doing the parking lot stuff, moved into Greeter, moved into teaching um, the New Beginners class, and then from there I went into uh, teaching some other classes, and then here I am today doing some of this. So God will use you if you're usable. But remember, if you're not going to use the gifts he's given you, he's going to take it from you. He's going to give them to somebody else. So if you don't take anything from that, know that God has, you all have gifts, every single one of you. Figure out what they are. Ask your friends and family members. They'll tell you. They'll tell you what your gifts are. Sometimes you don't know. We'll pray for it and find out what that gift is and, and let God use you. So I want to do that. So those are the two things I really wanted to talk about was, you know, when ministering to others, don't be a jerk. And uh, number two, um, don't be a creepy Christian about it. Uh, rule number three, there's no rule number three. Those are really my only two rules. I don't like five or ten things to talk about. Let's just get to the point, right? Anyone that knows me, let's, don't, don't build me a watch. Just tell me the time. So let's see. So that was that. Okay, a couple other things happened. Uh, my friend, uh, friend of mine, Jim, on my way to Dallas in uh, November, he called me and he said, hey, I just want to let you know um, you're one of my close friends and I want to let you know what's going on. Him and I do a lot of business there. He owns a, a shutter and blind company, and that's how we got to know each other. And he said, um, my wife committed suicide a few days ago. I said, oh, man. Yeah, he found her hanging. In, uh, in the garage and left behind a 14-year-old daughter and an 18-year-old son. And I was, man, my heart went out to him. We stayed on the phone for quite a long time. I was driving to Dallas, so it might have been two hours we, we talked. And he, I just let him vent because he's frustrated about what happened. And a lot of it was why, and then it was anger. Um, about a week later when I got back in town, I called him and I said, hey, kept in touch with him. And then uh, one morning I woke up and two things came to my mind. His name Jim and Carabas. I was like, what the heck, you know? Never, I mean, just out of the blue, right? So I called him in the morning. I said, hey, man, uh, it's kind of weird, but I, you've been on my heart. I want to talk to you about I want to call you and see how you're doing. And we talked for about 45 minutes. And he said, hey, we still need to get that lunch or dinner together. When are you going to be available? And I said, how about today? And he said, yeah, great. I said, let me jump in the shower. I'll get back. And he goes, what are you thinking? What are you hungry for? I said, I don't know. I mean, what, what about Carabas? And he's dead silent on the phone. I was like, okay, well, hey, you there? Jim. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, let me, let me just jump in the shower and I'll call you when I get out. So I called him when I got out. I said, hey, look, man, doesn't sound like Carabas is doing it for you. You know, takes for that. Whatever, I'm buying. And he said, no, it's just, it's strange that you said Carabas. He said, uh, my wife would be 42 years old today. And she, she wants to go to Carabas to eat every, every year on her birthday. And, I, and, you know, not only are we supposed to minister to people, but we're also supposed to be obedient, right? If I didn't call him, we wouldn't have had a two-hour meal together where he could just pour his 
frustrations and things out, and I could just be there for him to pray with him and, and listen to him. A lot of, and it's so much better face-to-face than on the phone. And anyway, so that, that was, we actually had the same meal that she always eats, and we, that she eats every year. So sad, but um, they're doing much better. I just talked to him the other day, actually, and he's getting through it. Um, very, very tough. Um, last, the last uh, thing I want to talk about is my sister-in-law, uh, father, over, over Thanksgiving, this last Thanksgiving, uh, was hurt really bad. He got, had cancer. Then he got an infection in his lung, went pneumonia. They got that taken care of. He's in ICU. I go up there the day before Thanksgiving to go visit him. I'm, we're sitting, I'm talking with Rachel, my sister-in-law, and all of a sudden he, he starts to move around. So we get up to go talk to him, and he said, evil, he's trait, so he can't talk. But we could read his lips. He said, evil. I said, evil? And he said, evil. I see dark. I see dark. I see evil. They're evil. They're in the room. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And she goes, no, my dad, those are nurses. They're fine. He goes, and he said, Lord's Prayer. He kept saying, Lord's Prayer. And she looked at me. And she goes, uh, uh, I, 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 let's switch. So we switched. We switched. Said the Lord's Prayer together. And then when he was done, I said, Jim. I mean, Bob, do you know where you're going? I go, uh, you know where you're going if you die right now? And he goes, I said, you want to go to heaven? And he goes, with tears. And I said, okay, let, let, we led him to Christ right there. In, in, on, not, not quite his deathbed. We led him to Christ. It was an amazing experience because my, my sister-in-law, has, she's never been around anybody that's done that. After we were done, he lit up like, I mean, so excited. I said, I said, Bob, you have a new wineskin and a, and a new heart, man. How awesome is that? I said, you get to go to the kingdom before I get to go there, me and your daughter. I said, congratulations, man. And he smiled, and he was, you know, trying to laugh. Anyway, he went to sleep, um, I, and my sister-in-law and I were talking, and she's like, Doug, what, how, how do you, where do you get this boldness from? I said, we have the same boldness. You just need to tap into it. And I said, so that right there was something you needed to see, and an exercise. You and I were the only ones up here, right? She said, I know, I, I did need to see that, and I appreciate that. And she said, I don't know what I would have done without, if you weren't here. I said, well, now you know what to do if this happens again, okay? And she said, you're right. About a week and a half later, I, it was on my heart to call her, so I called Rachel. I'm sitting in the parking lot of Fuddruckers, about to go in. I said, hey, Rachel, I just wanted you, you know, unequivocally, your father is in heaven, okay? He may be a doorman or a street sweeper, doesn't matter. Because he was not a very good man. Not too many people like this guy. That's the honest truth. He was an attorney that knew it all, and nobody really cared for the guy. That's just the honest truth. But I said, he's got a clean new heart, and he's there. She goes, no, you know why I know that? And I said, why is that? And he said, for the first time in my entire life, he told me and my mom he was sorry for the way he treated us. He has never said he's sorry to us our entire lives. And he said, you know, that was that, that, I said, that's, that's the new wineskin. And she said, I know, that was me, that was confirmation that it works, right? So I wanted to share those, those few stories with you. Those are the, just three of, I could tell you ten more, okay? But I'm not going to do that because of the time. Um, now, I, I, will, I will quote Luke 9, verse 26, uh, that's, and this is what I was telling her. When I'm sitting here talking to Rachel, I said, look, we need to be bold. And here's how you do it, okay? Whosoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father 
and of the holy angels. If you're ashamed, don't be ashamed of, of, of me in front of man, or I'll be ashamed in front of you in front of my father. And I said, so don't, don't let, because there's a couple nurses in there, I'll never see those nurses again, so always think like that. Don't worry about these people. Matter of fact, they, they need to see that. that that's something that's going to lift their spirits up, right? Let them see you doing this, and that, that's going to be huge. So I wanted to kind of tell you about those stories, and Pastor and I talked about it, and I've, I've told that to a few other people as well. But I, I will tell you now that now more than ever, we need to put on the whole armor of God daily, okay? Every single day. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 20. We're going to say it in a minute, but I first want to talk about and explain why we dress for battle. Have you guys ever, ever talked? I mean, we, we talk about it all the time. And you read the Army of God, and it's great. It's got some good things, but why do we do it? Why do we dress for battle? And I can tell you it's worked for me on a number of occasions. I'm talking cars that I've near misses in an intersection where there was nobody. Um, I had a guy that was coming at me and hit an invisible wall and said, I don't know, he, he was mad about some warranty issue. And he literally walked up and bounced and he said, I don't know if it's because you're a man of God or what, but something just hit me. And you know what? His warranty list went from 15 things down to two items, and that was it. And, and again, God downloaded to me and said, you put on the armor of God, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Don't worry about it. You're good. So he's always reminding me of that, and I've got a ton of other stories for that. But I want to I I really emphasize why we, put, uh, why we dress for battle. So uh, I'm going to go through this really quickly. When you wake up in the morning and you're ready for the day, you're probably not thinking about stepping onto a battlefield. But the enemy is all around us, constantly assaulting our heart, our mind with temptations, adversities, emotional attacks, and more. Some days, it feels as though we are standing on the front line of combat with no protection whatsoever. Therein lies our misunderstanding. You see, we do have protection. The Lord made provision for our nakedness in battle. He hasn't sent us to war unprotected. Instead, he's given us a suit of armor that the enemy can't penetrate, the armor of God. The Apostle Paul tells us step by step how to prepare our daily war- for our daily warfare. And yet most Christians don't pay much attention to the instructions. You may say, well, that's a nice metaphor, but we shouldn't take it literally at all. The armor isn't real, right? That's what people tell, tell, tell themselves. Yes, it is real. It is as real as the clothes on my back. Do you want to see dramatic change in your life? Do you want to stand strong in the face of adversity? Do you want to overcome temptation? Then you need to dress for battle. Every single day. This isn't something you do it when you think about it. Every 24 hours, put that on. I do it in the shower. The minute I wake up, depends on the situation, but immediately. I challenge you to intentionally put on the spiritual armor of God every day for the next seven days. Put it on one piece at a time. The helm of salvation. The sword, the breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth. The sandals of peace. The shield of faith. And the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, and speak boldly the word of God as you ought to speak. So I'm going to challenge everyone out there, everyone here, to put on the whole armor of God every day. I can tell you personally, it has saved my life, literally, more than a dozen times. Literally. And what I do, and what I recommend doing, is I put on the armor of God for me. Think about a plane going down. 
got to put your mask on. They always say put your mask on first and then you put on the children, right? So that you're awake and alert. Put on the armor God for yourself and then I do it separately for my, my boys. And then actually a few other people. My list is getting longer, by the way. Just people that I know aren't doing it and I know they need it. So I have a pretty long list of people that I rattle off and I, give the armor, I put on the armor of God for them until they can learn how to do it themselves. But I highly encourage you to read, to, to memorize this. Um, I don't know if you want to put that up there real quick. I know we're short on time. I've got a few minutes. So let's, let's just say it out loud, okay, together. Um, and I don't know if it's... Yeah, give me a second. I could just do it and we'll... Um, you got, you got, if you have your Bible, you can open it up, but I'll, I'll go ahead and read it out loud for you guys. So finally, I, I like the King James, New King, King James Version. That's because that's all I had when I first memorized this about 20 years ago. Use whatever, whichever, whichever works best for you, but this is the New, games, New King James Version. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that I may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For I wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Therefore, I put on the whole armor of God to be able to stand in this evil day, and having done all to stand. Standing there, have my loins girded about with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. My feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith I should be able to quench all the fire darks of the wicked, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching there too with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly and, and speak the word of God as I ought to. And I'm going to encourage you, which I'm an ambassador in chains, that in, I may speak the word boldly as I ought to speak. I'm going to encourage you guys to put this on every day. Read it. Keep it in your car until you, until you commit it to memory. It will help you. I promise it's helped me over and over and over again. And I can tell you story after story about, about what that's done for me. Um, there's a couple of scriptures here with everything that's going on in this world. I keep many, many scriptures, uh, usually in pretty big print. Um, you spoke earlier a little bit about that, Bill. Um, John 14, verse 1, which is one of my favorites. Everybody knows. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I mean, if you guys don't know we're in battle right now, we are in serious battle. We are in a war we can't see, and we have to start fighting the enemy with God's word. And I'm going to encourage you, this time that you're at home hanging out, turn the TV off and get your nose in here, okay? Please, do everything you can. If you find it hard to understand the Bible, find somebody that can help you, sit with you, and read verses to you, and then explain them to you. I'm just going to really encourage you to latch on to somebody that can help you. Whether it be me or anybody, we can do Skype, we can do whatever. I'm here to help you guys and help you build your faith, okay? And that's really important that we do that in this time. It's extremely important. You've got to fight Satan with God's word, straight up. That's the only way to beat it, is fighting him with God's word. And you can do it. Don't think you can't. And what I did was I started listening to certain people that I, that I, would, that I resonated with, Pastor Goodluck and Andrew Womack. There's a lot of people that I would spend hours listening to things and then having my Bible open going, what the heck did that just mean? You mean, you know, you can, 
you're still going to heaven even if you do this, this, and this. No one ever told me that, right? He still, God loves each and every one of us. He wants each and every one of us to be saved. He doesn't want you to lose your, your soul to the devil. Um, so I will encourage you guys to do everything you can to listen to the word of God, if that's better for you, and then just make notes. That's, what, that's how I started out learning the Bible. I literally just started listening to ministers, and I would just write notes and, and cross-references cross with my Bible. That helped me a lot. So another one, Isaiah 54, 14, verse 15. I use this one all the time if, if I'm ever attacked. In righteousness I will, be a, I will be established. Tyranny will be far from me. I will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near me. Whoever attacks me will not be my doing. Whoever attacks me will surrender to me. This is a strong, strong. These are just, these are just powerful things. You've heard them before, but I really want to emphasize some of these that can help you. Isaiah 54, 17, say it all the time. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against me in judgment, I shall condemn. You Remember, you have the power. I shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, declares the Lord. Okay? Remember, you are the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. You, everyone in here, everyone out there, you are the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And make sure you say it boldly when you say it. And then this is a great one too, Luke 10, verse 18 through 20. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the powers of the enemy. Okay? Nothing will harm you. However, you do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but they do. But rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Okay? The spirits do submit to, to, to when you speak to them. All the evil ones do. But you've got to believe it when you say it. Have it in your heart and believe it. And if you don't believe it, get with someone that does. You know, take that dull knife and get it. Have one of us sharpen it for you, right? That's what we're here for. We're here to sharpen the dull knife, the rusty knife. So I'm going to encourage each and every one of you to um, you know, take heart some of these things I'm saying. And um, God spoke to me. Um, I, I literally didn't, I wasn't able to work on this too much today. It was a single mom that needed help. Three kids. And had to leave her house today. So a few of us got together and, and moved her today. So glad that he, we were able to have the time to do that. And we need to do that. Let's help each other in these times. Whether it be financially, um, a, a, a li- uplifting word, something that... Let's just connect with one another. You know, this is a good time for us to turn the TV off and, and really get with our families and, and dive in. Uh, word of God and games. When's the last time you guys played a board game? You know, think about it. A lot of things we should be doing that we never got a chance to. You know, put the phone down for a little bit, and uh, and let's let's all let's all help each other through this time. And we're gonna make it through it. This isn't this isn't doom and gloom like they're talking. And uh, stay focused, stay energized, and stay up because we all love you for sure. And uh, everybody needs to hear, hear some encouraging words today. So I don't know, Pastor Gillick, you want to close in prayer? about your head, your family, as you watch a great message tonight that we all need, very precious. We all need this message. Father, I just want to thank you for Doug, your gifts in his life, his obedience to your words, tenacity, love, kindness, willing to give. 
of time, money, and everything that you've given to him. Lord, I bless him for the work that you're doing in his life. But for our families at home, Lord, I pray that every one of them will realize they've been established in righteousness. They don't have any reason to be afraid because you are with them. Encourage your hearts. Give them desire to spend more time with you during this time as we go through this. This will be over because you will kill this virus in this time. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.